John 15 and verse 10. John 15 and verse 10. The 20th century was the worst history of Christian persecution of history. Uh, this century is actually shaping up to be even a worse uh, century of persecution. The church has been opposed. At times, as God's people have drifted from God, the church has become corrupt. But I want to tell you today, the, the same power that worked in the apostles, that worked in the early church is available for us today. God has not changed. His power has not changed. His principles have not changed. A lot of times they just haven't been tried. Oh, the power that comes when we draw near to Him and He draws near to us. The scripture that we're going to look at today is a continuation of our theme last, last week, of abiding in Christ, but um, he is Jesus is giving some last instruction before his death at Calvary to his disciples, and he's telling them, look, I want you to understand the key to all that you're doing, all of the ministry, all of the things that you're going to accomplish will be the fact that you abide in me. Uh, it, it's not your strength. It's kind of like God uh, told Zerubbabel in the Old Testament. He says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. There is a supernatural power. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You and I can't change this world, but Jesus can. Jesus in us and through us can make the difference. And uh, So we need to abide in Christ, and we do that as we choose to obey and draw near to Him. None of us are perfect in obedience, but uh, we can make a decision to obey Christ and draw near to Him in that way. So the secret of abiding in Christ, part two, um, and uh, look with me at verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore. Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you. Love one another. So the secret of abiding in Christ, what does Christ do as we abide in him? Well, um, he enables us to remain joyful. He enables us to remain joyful. Verse 11, I've told you these things 
so that I can take away all your fun and ruin all your good time. Is that what it says? No. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. You see, Christ gives us salvation as a gift. Jesus purchased it at the cross. Uh, he said uh, that uh, he, was, he was paying the price for us to go to heaven. It is finished. Paid in full. And when we repent and we put our trust in Jesus Christ, he grants us this gift of eternal life, and that is assured. Uh, it is a certainty because it is based upon the promise of God. Now, though we are given the gift of salvation, and that gift is a certainty, our closeness to Jesus is not a certainty. How closely we walk with him will be determined on whether or not we choose to abide in him. And that's the reason so many Christians are joyless. Because they simply don't abide in Christ. They don't obey Christ. Uh, they don't follow Christ. They don't draw near to Christ. It's uh, like the, the husband that told his wife, I told you I loved you when I, when I married you, and if it ever changes, I'll let you know. You know, some Christians act as though, you know, I've told, I told Christ I was going to serve him at, when I got saved. I'll tell you if anything changes, and they act as though they had never trusted Christ. Listen, if you want to walk in God's joy, you have to make a decision to abide in Christ. And that involves a decision to obey Christ. Now, you won't do that perfectly. I don't do that perfectly. And you'll have to confess your sin, and you'll have to, to ask God to change your heart, and you'll have to repent yet again and, and receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you something God will draw near to you as you draw near to him. That's what God's word teaches us. Abide in me, Jesus says. He says, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and may be full. You see, Jesus walked in this joy. If you look at Jesus' earthly ministry, from beginning to end, he was met with opposition, right? He was opposed. He was hated. They started plotting his death almost immediately when he began his earthly ministry. Uh, there were people that hated him and couldn't stand him. Uh, Jesus said to one man, he said, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He says, I'm going from place to place. I'm preaching the gospel. But things are not easy. And if you're going to follow me, you've got to take that into account, he said. You know. and, and so uh, Jesus had difficult circumstances. And, of course, he knew that the reason he had come was to live a perfect life that we couldn't live and to die a death as our substitute. And yet, despite all of that, Jesus had joy. He says, I want to let you in on the secret. <laughs> I want you to experience what I experience. I want you to know the joy. I was listening to the radio this week, and there was a lady that was talking about knowing Christ and, and, and how she wished people knew how wonderful it is to know Christ and the joy 
that she had. And she began to get emotional. Her voice began to break. And I'm sure I couldn't see her because it was the radio, but I'm sure tears were beginning to flow because she was so moved by the fact that Christ was her Savior, had changed her life. I want to tell you something. Jesus changed my life. <laughs> he changed me. And, and listen, I want to tell you, as long as I draw breath, I want to bring honor and glory to his name. There have been times in my life where I have walked in God's joy, and there have been times in my life where I haven't. There have been times where I have struggled, but what I have found is whatever I draw near to Christ, sometimes it means confessing a sin. In one case, it was a bad attitude. Uh, whatever it is, when I draw near to Christ, he draws near to me. But you can't sort of draw near to Christ. It involves surrender. To abide in Christ, he says, he says you need to obey me. O obedience involves surrender. Um, there's a little girl, she was being, being scolded by her father, and uh, he told her to sit down. She said, I may be sitting down outwardly, but inside I'm standing up. You see, she hadn't really surrendered. She, she was still in her heart in rebellion. And sometimes we can be that way. We, we, we'll give lip service to surrender, but we won't surrender. And listen, surrender is a doorway to joy. Surrender is a doorway to power. So Jesus says, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I think of Peter, who, uh, who said, you know, we've been surrounded by this, all kinds of trials and heartache and so forth, and he says, but yet we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's an inner joy that does not depend on circumstance. It is supernatural. It comes from the presence of God within our hearts. I think of Paul and Silas singing in the jail. I think of David who being chased by Saul, and uh, he, he went into the cave, and the scripture says he encouraged himself in his God. You see, there is a fountain of joy, a spring of water that wells up unto eternal life that is the presence of Christ in us and the joy that he brings. So the secret of abiding in Christ, what does Jesus do when we abide in him? He enables us to remain joyful. Secondly, he enables us to remain unified. Look at verse 12. He says, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. To remain unified. What does is, what is Christ enable us to do? He enables us to love. And of course, that is also a choice that we're making, right? Uh, it is a choice of obedience. And, and 
He's saying, listen, I want you to obey me. And what is the chief way you can obey me? It is to love one another. But abiding in Christ provides the ability to love others the way that God has called us to love them. And unity is all of us getting into tune with Jesus Christ. Um, you know, I, I remember being in a committee meeting one time, and, the, and uh, this man tells me, he says, well, this is what I want to do. And, uh, and since the Bible commands us to be unified, you need to do what I want to do. And I said, I don't think so, because uh, what he was wanting to do was, was uh, not what I, I thought was right. And so, uh, you know, unity, sometimes, some people use unity as a club to get their own way. Unity is not about that. <clears throat> unity is about getting into tune with Jesus Christ. I heard Ward Wiersbe once say, uh, one uh, tuner uh, that is used as a standard by which all the pianos are tuned causes all the pianos to be in tune with one another. When we're all in tune with Jesus, we'll be in tune with one another. You see? And so, um, so unity is about drawing near to Christ. And so as we abide in Christ and get in tune with Christ and are walking with Christ, we'll walk with one another. And, and this, this power of loving each other, of laying our lives down for each other will be possible. Unity, I'm convinced that unity in a church is supernatural. I don't think it comes naturally. I think you, you need to pray for it, and I do. I pray for unity in our church. I, I believe you need to pray for it. I believe you need to recognize when potential things are coming up that could cause disunity and pray for those things. Because it is supernatural. It, how does God take people from every kind of background, every kind of race, uh, every kind of financial situation, and put them together and cause them to live in unity. It is supernatural. That's why as we abide in Christ, we're able to remain unified. And I'm going to tell you, whenever there's disunity in a church, somebody is not abiding in Christ. So, the secret of abiding in Christ uh, what does he do for us? He enables us to remain joyful. Secondly, he enables us to remain unified. Before I go on from unified, I want to say one other thing. I've pastored several churches, and, and, and the church that struggled most, most with unity, I saw God bring a drastic change. Um, there were some who left, but... We had prayed for unity, and God brought a unity to that church and the spirit of joy to that church. And it was just a, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. Can God restore your relationship that has been estranged with someone else? Absolutely he can. Take it to him in prayer. Uh, humble yourself. Go to that person. Seek to make that situation right. And trust that God will be at work with you to mend that, that uh, relationship. Now, the, the exception to that would be if, if it puts you in personal danger. Don't do that. If it's going to put you in danger, uh, God, God's not going to, uh, to ask you to, to put yourself in danger. At least, 
I won't ask you. I'll put it that way, okay? I'll let God decide what he wants to ask you to do. But uh, I won't ask you to do that. But, but unity is such a precious thing. And uh, pray for that in your family. Uh, you know, if you, if you have trouble, if you've got family members maybe that you struggle to have unity with, how about taking those things to God in prayer before you go visit? Lord, help us to have unity as we share this time together. That might be a good thing for Memorial Day, right? <laughs> uh, Lord, um, give me the grace to love my family. Give me the grace to be patient with my family. Uh, these are some great things you can do. Uh, so, um, as you abide in Christ, what does he uh, enable you to do? Uh, he enables you to remain joyful. Secondly, to remain unified. And thirdly, to remain informed. Jesus says in verse 15, I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. So Jesus is telling them what he's heard from the Father. He's informing them of what they need to know. And this discussion is a part of it. Um. One of the awesome things about abiding in Christ is that God begins to direct your life. Now, he has given us the supreme direction in his word in terms of, of this unchanging revelation of God. But he also, I believe, leads us through his spirit within us in life. Uh, Paul tells the Colossians, let the peace of Christ act as umpire, or let it rule in your life. In other words, you're to let the, the peace that the Spirit brings guide you in, in your decisions. Uh, this is a wonderful thing. Have you ever not known what to do in a situation? Uh, you know, that's a good place to be, first of all, because if you don't know what to do, it means you're being honest. Uh, I like uh, in Ecclesiastes, one scripture says that uh, a wise man may say he knows the meaning of life, but he doesn't. All right? Uh, listen, there's going to be some things in life we just simply don't understand. But praise God, we've got somebody who is our friend who is our Savior, who knows completely all the reasons why, who knows how to handle it, who knows how to navigate it, and as we trust in Him and follow His leading, He works and moves. Psalm 25 says, The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear Him. God gives special insight into His Word, but He also gives I believe, special insight into life. You see it in the, the kings of Israel who called on the Lord, who would seek his face. And um, I think about Jehoshaphat putting the singers in front. You know, that nobody would do that. <laughs> but they put the singers in front in battle uh, because God told him to do it. And they're worshiping God, and God sent an ambush against the enemy, and the enemy was destroyed. Why? Because Joshua heard a word from God. And believed it in faith. He acted and stepped out 
in faith and obedience to the Lord. Jesus says, I'm informing you. Everything the Father's telling me, I'm telling you. And he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. He says this elsewhere. He says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm sending the comforter to you. You see, when Jesus gave the great commission, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, read the Bible. Is that what he said? No. He said, lo, I am with you. Always. What is he saying? I'm going to be with you as you go, as you make disciples. When you're scratching your head and you don't, I don't know what to do. I'm going to be right there with you. Take this step next. Take this step next. You see, we have a living Savior. Jesus is not in a tomb. He is arisen. He's been seen by over 500. He's ascended to heaven. What's more, I talked with him this morning, <laughs> right? Listen, I want to tell you something. We know Jesus lives. He changed our lives. He's at work. He's active. He has a purpose for your life and a purpose for my life. And he will inform us. He will let us know what we need to know to fulfill the plan he has for us. Isn't that great to know? I remember one, one season of life, there's problems in the church, I've shared this, but there was problems in the church, and uh, I began to call upon the Lord, and I just felt like God said, you just, don't worry about figuring that out. I've got, I've got this. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing, I don't, but God was just basically saying, look, I want you to trust me. You do what I tell you to do today, and you trust me. Isn't that freeing? We don't have to be in control. We don't have to understand everything. We can trust a God who has omniscience, who has all power, and who is supremely able. So, as we abide in Christ, he enables us to remain informed. Uh, He enables us to remain joyful, to remain unified, and to remain purposeful. Look at this in verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you. I called you out to go and produce fruit. You see, Jesus has a calling on our lives. If you know Christ today, uh, he has a purpose for you. He calls you out to speak for him, to serve for him in different ways, in different situations. And as you do, you fulfill the purpose he's he's created you to fulfill. He's called you out. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Have you ever wondered, why in the world would God choose me? (laughs) I've had that thought many times. And, you know, God, what an amazing thing. In our weakness, in our failure, God still loves us. He still uses us. He chooses us for his purpose. I've chosen you that you might bear fruit. You see, when you abide in Christ, 
He produces the character of God in you. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So he changes your character. But he also changes you and enables you to be effective in doing what he's, whatever it is that he wants you to do. And we've all got different gifts and we serve God in different ways, but he enables us to do that more effectively. And then, of course, to reach people with the message of the gospel. Um, you know, sometimes we think we have to have, maybe be an evangelist, like a, a vocational evangelist, in order to bear fruit in terms of lost soul. But that's not, that's not the case. Remember Andrew? What did Andrew do? He said, uh, Peter, there's this guy you really got to meet. His name is Jesus. Come on with me. Let's go meet Jesus. And Peter went with him, and of course, the rest is history. God changed Peter's life. But he didn't stop there. Through Peter, he changed the city of Jerusalem. But it didn't stop there. Through Peter and through Paul and the other apostles, he changed the world. And can I tell you something? He's still changing people today. What began with Peter and those apostles is still having an impact today. It all began with Andrew. Well, yeah, we all know about Peter, but what about Andrew? Andrew was willing to do what God called him to do and use the gifts that God had given him to direct people to Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? Anybody can do that. Now, one of the greatest things you could ever do is set a godly example for your kids or your grandkids, as the case may be. And, and as you speak into their lives and as you minister to them and let them see Jesus in you, it will make an impact. Um, I, I think about, uh, you know, we've had Mother's Day, Father's Day is getting ready to come up. I think about the influence of godly parents and, um, and the example that they set and the teaching and so forth. And, and you know, our parents, at, at some point, they will die and go to be with Jesus if they haven't already. But their impact remains, right? The same thing is true in our relationships with other people. As we love them, as we teach them the things of God, as we direct them to Jesus, and that impact. I, there's a fellow that I've shared, he's, he's come and, and uh, uh, wanted to, information on how to know Christ. And, and we talked, he gave his heart to Christ. And, uh, but he told me that his wife had been praying for him for decades. He said, I, I wouldn't go to church with her. I wouldn't talk about God with her. I refuse to have anything to do with God. And she and her church there continue to pray for me. Continue to pray. His wife passed. She went to heaven. And her husband was still lost. But guess what? The work that she had done was still bearing fruit. And he was driving through Knoxville, Tennessee. And the Spirit of God got a hold of his heart. And he ultimately came to Christ. And he said, I'm going home to go to church in my wife's church. Don't you know they had a celebration when he walked through the doors? <laughs> Listen, 
after we're dead and gone. It, it, as we serve Christ and speak for him and display the character of Christ through abiding in Christ. That is a purpose like no other purpose in this life. And it makes a difference for all eternity. Hallelujah. So, the secret of abiding in Christ. What does Jesus do as we abide in Christ? He enables us to remain joyful, to remain unified, to remain informed, to remain purposeful, and finally to remain significant. Look at verse 16. It says, I appointed you to go and, and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain. And that your fruit should remain. I, I think he's talking here about ministry and, and reaching people for Christ. Think about this for a second. The early church, and beginning with the apostles, but the early church won people to faith in Christ, who won people to faith in Christ, who won people to faith in Christ, who went to other countries and won people to faith in Christ. It's still going on today. The fruit has remained, continues to multiply. Um, I had a, a pastor friend in Texas, and he told me, he said, I went to this church, he said, I prayed, God, give me fruit and let this fruit remain. And uh, God greatly worked in that church, and, and the fruit was remaining. He was retired uh, from pastoring. He was working as a director of missions at that time. But that church was still bearing fruit for God after he departed. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. One day, I'm going to go on the ground if Jesus tarries. And I'm going to tell you something. This church will keep right on going as long as you put, your, put Jesus first. This church is going to keep right on going. And will fulfill the purposes of God. The fruit will remain. You see, it's supernatural. Supernatural. Um, what about those who are one to faith in Christ and end up being those who help that next generation? Um, I, I think about people who've been saved in this church. We've had a lot of people uh, who've come to this church and then have gone elsewhere or whatever. Um, but many of those people have been saved through the ministry of this church. Some of them, I don't even remember their names anymore. I've been here that long. <laughs> That's a sign you're getting old. You don't remember those things. Uh, but what kingdom impact is this church having? I get excited when I think about it. I think about these little kids that have come up through, uh, through Bible school or through uh, the Sunday school classes of this church or... Uh, it's so exciting to think about. What about the teenagers who come to Christ in the youth ministry of this church? And now they don't even live in Tennessee anymore. They're out somewhere else serving Christ. And one day I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to get to see what Jesus did through the lives of these kids. That excites me. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You want to remain significant in this life? You serve Jesus. You give him your all. You love him first. You, you put him first in your life. You come to church. You give. You serve. 
and see how he will honor you. See how he will use you. See how that impact will continue to make a difference in the lives of people. Remain significant. So as you abide in Christ, he enables you to remain joyful, to remain unified, to remain informed, to remain purposeful, and to remain significant. You see, it's all him. It's all Jesus. Anything good that happens for the kingdom of God is not because you have a great pastor, if that is the case. Uh, It's not because you have a great Sunday school teacher, although that may be the case. It's not because of something special about the people of South Clinton Baptist Church, although I believe you're special. I love you. It's all because of Jesus. He deserves every bit of the glory. There's nothing that can happen of significance in the kingdom without him. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But what about with him? (laughs) With him, the sky's the limit. What might Jesus do through us as we abide in him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us direction and letting us know that we need to abide in Christ. Help us do that, Father. Help us wholeheartedly choose to obey you. Help us keep drawing near to you in our personal devotion, in our, our, our assembly for worship. And, uh, and Father, help us continue to serve and, and, and do the things you've called us to do, Lord, to glorify and honor your name. Help us honor you with our lives to put you first. And Father, um, we know that uh, this this doesn't happen without your help. And so, Father, if there's some sin that, that is keeping us from abiding in Christ, Lord, I pray that it would be laid down today. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us repent of it today and, and, uh, and, and turn to you and find the grace that is so uh, freely given. Lord, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day that they would choose to surrender themselves to your purpose and to receive the gift of eternal life that Jesus bought and paid for at the cross. Lord, may it happen today. And we pray it in Jesus' name.